electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are solid as we brace for a busy inauguration week. Uh, Yellen on the Hill today, along with other Biden nominees for state, defense, homeland security, earnings from Goldman, B of A, and of course, Netflix tonight. Our roadmap begins with go big or go home. The former Fed chair and Treasury nominee Yellen to call for Congress to bypass their debt concerns for the next COVID relief package. Plus, banks back in focus. Goldman shares are higher after it crushed earnings estimates. Bank of America's stock is down this after there was a miss on quarterly revenues. We'll go through both of those earnings reports. And a Biden policy shift. The president-elect planning to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline permit. But what else should investors expect in the early days of the new administration, which begins tomorrow at 12.01, Carl? We're going to get to all of that, guys. Uh, Jim, you did tweet, though, this morning, I love a good rally based on nothing. Is that what today is? I think so. I mean, look, we, we, uh, there are a lot of people who feel uh, in the late afternoon that maybe interest rates are done going higher. And then you've got Janet Yellen, all this testimony. You say, why? I don't know if that's possible. Uh, at the same time, you don't get a blowout from Bank of America. You get a blowout from the much smaller Goldman Sachs. But let, let's face it. I mean, did anything really happen over the three-day weekend? No. But maybe that's what matters. David, weren't these three days of calm? Yeah, I guess they were. They were calm. I'm, well, in the markets, maybe. I'm no, sure in real they were life. calm for the country. In were real they? life. Really? Yeah. Calm? I mean, we, obviously, tomorrow's a big day, but I'm yeah. just saying that we, we didn't see tweets this weekend that we didn't made see us tweets, feel like And that, we didn't see violence, uh, right. which there was obviously a lot of concern, particularly, I guess, on Sunday or even yesterday that there might be. So, yeah, I guess, I guess that's a fair, a fair statement, Jim. And, and Carl, what, what I'm seeing is, again, the same thing over and over again. It's the SPACs, SPACs, SPACs. Uh, and we're all uh, trying to figure out exactly uh, what these companies are doing, how they're working. I know David's very interested in some SPACs, and, uh, and uh, I'm looking at Churchill Capital Corp. Four. I spent uh, well, on the week. I mean, Dom was just talking about it. Of course, it no, is down on that to. statement. More or less, not saying much of anything. Well, but I hesitate to get involved in that in some ways because the speculative nature of the shareholder base there is such that they are, they're very into, they're very. You you deal with it all the time. Yeah, people are. You're you're. You're okay with people being very mean to you. Yeah, I kind of like You're it. You're Jimmy Chill. Jimmy uh, Chill likes it. And you block I, them all. But, I, yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. Well, they're, they there. have their pathetic parodies of the human mind. I yeah. mean, I'm not quite sure what to do with them. But <laughs> let them do their thing and move around and whamma jamma. But, Carl, I'm more concerned about whether uh, Goldman Sachs is a true blowout, given the fact that this is one of the largest beats I've ever seen. There's some great notes today about restaurants <laughs> that make you feel people are coming back. I don't know. I guess I can focus on, uh, let's say, retailers that sell, David, PlayStation and 
uh, I don't know, anything, right? Oh, boy. Xbox? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, that's what I noticed. You were battling it out. And what the borrow GME. is? Do we care about the borrow? You know, Carl, I, uh, there is the speculative nature of this market that we talk about a lot. It can be reflected to a certain extent in the move of CCIV. That's why we mentioned it, because, of course, this is a SPAC that has yet to announce a deal, but moving up on speculation that it will with another EV car, another one of these EV uh, car uh, companies. Um, but... We'll see. And then every day it's another SPAC. Uh, I got uh, Omar Israq today, uh, the chairman of Intel. Chairman Remember, of Intel? He's got one. Sternlich, Barry Sternlich's got his third that he's going to oh, be great. pricing, $750 million bucks. And also Gores, which they had a very good first SPAC. They got another one coming out. And Carl, I'm not even keeping track. That's just the ones that came up this morning in a couple of conversations. Yep. Yeah, no, we're, we're routinely doing uh, half a dozen a day easily uh, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, on average, Jim, it kind of—I wasn't going to get to this this early, but it does kind of remind me of this call out of UBS, where they take uh, Fiverr, Chewy, and Peloton to sell, and the line that stands out is: uh, "We collectively see all three as emblematic of a market that values growth over any semblance of valuation that can be justified." Right? That's um, that's some straight talk from UBS, yeah, not the evidence I, lab, but it's UBS. I, I thought it was good. when I heard that they had something negative to say about Chewy. I said, "Well, that's just heresy." Everybody loves Chewy. I mean, this is one of the most loved stocks ever. Peloton, uh, I thought that their acquisition, Primcor, I, I'm not sure how good this was. Illinois Toolworks gave it up on a long time. But, uh, Carl, I thought that that resonated because th- these kinds of stocks that have just gone up because we think that the pandemic's never going to end, uh, if we're getting more vaccines and the Biden administration is able to deliver on its $100 million, then you can't really own those stocks. Uh, they're just too high. David, I do believe that while Chewy is great and makes the process fun, I don't know. Uh, so does Amazon. They, they don't make the process fun, but they got great prices. Great prices? Yeah. Amazon? Yeah. Sometimes. Where do you get your dog food? Uh, I don't know where we get it. We've got to get special. We get how, much special is a, how much is a, is a carton of milk? I know that. We've already gone through this. It depends where you get it. It depends if it doesn't have the hormones or not. George H.W.? Yeah. I mean, it can be 450 or 5 bucks as much as that if you go with the horizon. with the, Or, you know, it, could, it can be different if you want all the antibiotics and hormones in there. So well, it really depends. Uh, I think Amazon your, is screaming by because I think that many people have sampled it and are staying with it. Uh, by the way, a lot of notes last week, Carl, about Netflix. What am I leading up to? There's a good piece today about Facebook. There's a piece about Apple having a good quarter. Is this the return of Fang, or are we supposed to continue to just buy endless industrials like EM, like Emerson, David? Because Emerson, wow, David Farr is about to leave, so maybe something big's going to happen. I mean, in other words, self-help industrials, David. That's what I'm hearing about. Mm. It's funny, we haven't talked to Emerson in a while since no. D. Shaw was in there, and yeah. they sort of figured all that stuff out. Oil and gas, David, right. doing well. Oil and gas has been doing well. Can we come back to financials? Because we kind of skipped over it pretty quickly. I mean, they did not perform particularly well on Friday, oh, Jen, That's it. Really? After earnings. Really, David? Really. How about horrible? Okay, you want to use horrible? I'll just yeah, say I'm not do horribly. Led well. by led by uh, Wells Fargo, which right. I could make a very good case for Wells Fargo, but I'm not going to do it right now. And then the and then in the era of big banks, I mean Bank of America, we see it's going to potentially open lower. Although you can see how the financials are lining up. I mean, what's your take on the quarter? I'm looking here, you know, at a note quickly from Piper Sandler. Uh, negatives include trading revenue miss versus guidance, lower than expected net interest margin, uh, higher than expected expenses. They do oh, note, obviously, oh, the oh. buyback was, was, is nice at $3.1 billion. 
uh, and they had a higher uh, re- uh, reserve release. Than, Net than interest income was good. You've got a terrific situation in the expenses. Why? Because, you see, they tried to make it so that, say, uh, employees get $100 for uh, – a child care. Uh, there's been a tremendous move by Brian. I'm talking about Brian Moynihan be able to keep his employees safe, spending a lot of money that uh, hurt their expense ratio. I think that they continue to have uh, a problem with the, with the yield curve. You need the yield curve. You need more business, David. All of these things are just things that happen. But you need more loans. One of the themes about last, Carl, if you look at Friday's conference calls, it's whether it be Wells Fargo, whether it be City, whether it be J.P. Morgan. We are we now there are many things that we that may not be going right in the country. But, boy, our balance sheets of individuals are the best they've ever been. And all of the banks would admit that. Now, we know that there is still a tremendous number of people who are being left out. And that's why Janet Yellen is so important. You know, Jamie Dimon talking about how uh, that 40 percent of America makes 15 dollars an hour or less. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. But the Uh, people who make more, Carl are just, they're stashing it, or they're buying cars. The car lease numbers are very good. Buying houses that are outside the city, but they have nowhere to go. And we keep remembering that travel and leisure looks like it's spent too much. We spend too much money on airlines, too much money on hotel rooms. So uh, that money's being sent back to the people who have it. The people who don't need all the help that Janet Yellen can give them. Uh, Yellen is expected to talk not just about uh, the coming uh, COVID relief package, but also the fact, Jim, as you point out, uh, that the economy was the recovery was K-shaped even before COVID hit. Uh, There's a look at uh, Senate finance. And we'll also hear from uh, Lloyd Austin up for defense, uh, Tony Blinken up for state, uh, Mayorkas uh, DHS. Um, Jim, to your point about travel, though, and the ongoing hope for a second half recovery, this double upgrade of AXP is going to get some attention today. I thought that was terrific. I think that's in line with what's going to happen, which is the amazing pent up demand. You talk to any of the airlines or manufacturers, they just say, look, uh, we're never going to see anything like this again in terms of the second half, 5% growth at a minimum, money being pumped in. Uh, I, I, I believe it. I believe it. And now, we have some notes today about restaurants and Darden doing well. Why a lot of other people couldn't spend along with Darden. Chipotle, we know that Chipotle's been doing well. But people don't go fancy dinner because you can't. Uh, you just can. And I think that that means that you can buy Darden, even though the stock is up 50 points in, in a heartbeat. There is, uh, Carl, I'm going to say it. I know David, focus on this for a second. I'm focused. Okay. Always. David, there is so much money. Yes from Gen X, and they have the Gen Xers who have a job, what do you think they do? They go out. No, geez. They stay home. They buy stocks, darn it. They buy stocks. Yes. <laughs> they were into experiences. Wasn't that what everybody was all oh, about? Oh, the experience gives you COVID. We're out of that game. Oh, we can't do experience. That, no, anymore. that was a bad call. No, that is true. That was well, good. that will come back, though, Jim, and maybe they'll stop buying stocks and start doing experiences again. No, no, well, David, or, they or, buy or stocks. Or maybe buying stocks is an experience. Maybe it, it is, is an experience. They I, love it. Many of us saw a video Jim, this weekend about two people saying, listen, what Jim, we do, it's very, we have a strategy. 
And what we do is buy stocks that are going up and we buy them and then we sell them after they're up even more. And I'm like listening to this. I'm saying, okay, how many people are saying this is a top? I just say, no, these people are a bit of anomaly. I see very smart buyers of situations, Carl, and I see some situations where it's just a short squeeze. But the buyers tend to be a a lot of these EV situations that not all of us can follow. There's too many companies to follow, so we end up defaulting to a lot of weirdo websites. Yet, don't take it personally if you call yourself a weirdo website. But, David, you know, when you see the vociferous nature of our audience, when you talk about a stock that you think may not be worthy. You keep wanting to come back to this, don't you? You well, keep yeah. wanting to drag us back to this. Well, I, I thought it was good. All right, just do me a favor and don't tell anybody my address, okay? Please. You know, you okay. tended to sort of do that sometimes. Don't do that. Right. But yes, I know okay. what you're, of course, we've been focused on that, again, as a reflection of the speculative nature of this market, the entrance of this new cohort. They're not even new anymore. They've been with no. us for 10 months. I, I thought they were even younger than Gen Xers, actually. Well, look, uh, a lot of these people, uh, Jim, they love but, to buy, but some of them. And the combination, I said, this, I said this Friday, the combination of EV and a SPAC, it's like, it's like fission. It's like putting together, you know. There are many, many. Your implosion device. Oh, you know what we don't talk about enough? The Tesla millionaires. There are many millionaires created by Tesla. You might think it goes down. They can't take it off. They should take some. Sure, there are. When you have a yeah, when you have a company that's got that kind of market cap and and an eight hundred percent gain in its stock price in a year, yeah. I'm going to give you two, Carl. That while obviously completely unexciting versus Tesla, GM and Ford. Okay, there. Take that, uh, Jimmy. Even as you're talking, Jim, uh, we do have some news regarding GM's cruise and this new funding round with some interesting players. Phil LeBeau's got that. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl. A new round of fundraising for Cruise, which is the autonomous vehicle subsidiary of General Motors. This latest round will include Microsoft, which is also going to be partnering with Cruise bringing its expertise when it comes to software, cloud computing, all critical to the development of an autonomous vehicle network. So it's going to be Microsoft, GM, Honda, and other institutional investors who are now putting another $2 billion into Cruise. And what's most interesting, guys, is the valuation of this latest round of fundraising for Cruise. It is now at $30 billion. For some point of reference, the last time they did a fundraising round back in July of 2019, the, the valuation of Cruise at that time was $19 billion. So that's one reason why you look at shares of GM up almost 8% as people continue to say, okay, Cruise is a subsidiary. It's not strictly GM, but they realize the value of developing these autonomous vehicles. And this is another piece in terms of GM taking that step towards reinventing the company. When I look at GM, <laughs> and a lesser extent, I look at Ford, I'm not saying that they have envy, but I am saying that they must question what what is the tipping point where we think, say, of GM as a company that has lots of cool, I mean, LeBron's, you know, buying stocks, buying uh, great cars and uh, trucks and, and a product line that's been completely refreshed and, uh, and EV cars that could end up being inexpensive. What makes it, what do we start doing when we think that the, uh, EV business is worth more than the uh, entire company? No, that's a great question, Jim. And, and I think what people are waiting for, I think they see the moves that Mary Barra and her team have made, and they like what they see. And they realize that the Ultium battery technology, look, that gets high marks within the auto industry and within the EV world. People sit there and they say, look, there's a lot to like here. What people want to see next, and this will come over the next year, let's see the products. If right. they truly can match up 
then I think people will buy into the, the roadmap that GM has laid out here. That's going to be the key. Uh, they only, you know, GM only has $710 billion to go in market cap to catch Tesla, <laughs> Phil. So, yeah, I mean, well, you know. Yeah, it's going real. I mean, well, it's $100 billion here, $100 billion Yeah, there. exactly. I mean, there's $71 billion and Tesla's below $800 billion now. You know, Tesla obviously starting to uh, roll those cars off in China. Um, yep, the Model Y. 12,141 cars, according to my yep. friends at, uh, at, at uh, GL Warren Capital. Uh, that's including the three and the Y from the 1st to the 15th. And production picking up there, but they're competing domestically as well against Neo, which I assume the likes of GM is competing against eventually too. Yes, China will be the focus. Make no mistake about this. Not only in terms of auto sales, which it really has been over the last five years, but when it comes to EVs, that's going to be crucial. You know, I, I, over the last year, David, two years, we would always hear people say, "Oh my gosh, they shut down the plant for two days out in Fremont. The world is coming to an end." Forget about Fremont, not entirely. <laughs> Carl, what you need to focus on is the Shanghai Gigafactory. That is going to be crucial to uh, Tesla's growth over the next several years. Yeah, Berlin is important. The new one in Texas is important. And Fremont will be important. Gigafactory in Shanghai, that's the crucial one. Uh, big news here, to, to Phil, as you point out, uh, Microsoft will also be GM's preferred cloud provider uh, help streamline supply chains and so forth. So we'll get more on this from you uh, later on today. That's our Phil LeBeau. We'll take a quick break. Uh, a lot of calls on the street yet that we've not yet gotten to, including Microsoft over at Morgan Stanley, named a top recovery pick for 2021. New street high for Roku. Futures looking good and yelling uh, in less than an hour on the Hill. Don't go anywhere. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. The Biden agenda in focus ahead of tomorrow's inauguration. Published reports say the president-elect set to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline permit on his first day in office. His executive order would reverse President Trump's decision in 2017 uh, to grant the permit after President Obama rejected it. A uh, lot to unpack here on oil, Jim, including Halliburton this morning, who says with the quarter, we believe the worst is behind us. Yeah, that has been the wrap, and I, I understand. Uh, they finally found an outlet for natural gas, and that's really important in the Permian because if you can't find an outlet for natural gas under the Biden administration, you're not going to be able to uh, drill as much because natural gas is a byproduct. So once they've piped it away, it's a good sign. I, I just think that 
You tell me whether people are going to be going out, because right now to get it from 53 to 60, you're going to need more economic activity than we currently have. That said, there are a lot of people, Carl, who feel this is another great second half story. Uh, I would prefer to play it, I'd say a little bit more derivative, but you buy an Emerson which has got the industrial component. And David, you know, has got a substantial oil and gas business. It does. It does. I, I do laugh a bit at the, uh, these oil and gas companies, these carbon uh, producers that are turning themselves into pretzels, trying to describe themselves as clean energy companies. And by the way, making real efforts. I don't want to make light of that. Real efforts to carbon sequestration, all sorts of different things, Jim, that they're trying to do to change their carbon footprint. But I mean... It's kind of hard when your business model is to take it out of the ground and have it spew into the air. Well, Occidental um, apparently doing some things there. You saw the Total, I, deal, the total though, deal, though. Total deal was, I think, a, a game yeah. changer. Uh, Europe ahead of us. And ESG there ahead of ours, ahead of the efforts here. Although, I say over the last 12 months, we certainly seem to have caught up in a lot of different areas of that. But when it comes to environmental sustainability in particular, uh, they may still be a bit ahead of us there. So Total sort of got that memo quite some time ago. <laughs> yes. Carl, I mean, when we think about what these companies are going to do and how they have to pivot because of uh, uh, President-elect Biden, it's going to be fun to see the companies that, that realize that suddenly there's a, uh, a group of very big money managers who say, we will not buy fossil fuels, that that's our contribution. We're not going to buy these stocks. And that's what that's the next round of negativity. It's not happened yet, obviously, because he's not president right now. They've had the run of the joint. But I think there's going to be a lot of talk about can we own these stocks and still be ESG compliant? I think the answer is no, they can't. Uh, We'll talk more, Jim, about your broader point, and that is how much macro risk is behind vaccine distribution and uptake. We'll get to that, though, along with the opening bell in just about seven minutes. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. All right, we really didn't get to Goldman Sachs too much other than just noting its stock price was up this morning. So let's do it as the mad dash here, Jim. You know, David, I don't think the numbers are that as important as the actual presentation. The presentation, I think, reads like this is why we deserve special status on Wall Street. What we do, clients turn to Goldman Sachs at times of disruption, delivering one Goldman Sachs to our clients. It's very much of a throwback to, look, we're the advisor to the stars. We're the advisor to stars, meaning the people who spend the most money. Uh, and they talk about much stickier assets. They do have a page. Not em- no emphasis on the Marcus uh, kind of Robin Hood, let's say, aspect. But I think that if they broke that out, you'd be surprised at how well it's doing. Uh, But I just think that it's, you know, it's the steady progress toward medium goals. And I come back to return on equity being 13%. David, that is not even, it's nowhere. It's double what we thought it could be. Right. It's just amazing. So reaffirm, there's a page, reaffirm strategic direction, grow and strengthen existing businesses, diversify our products and services, operate more efficiently. This is very different from what we're seeing with many of the other banks. This is a broad sweeping, we are better than you think analysis. And I'm with it. I think they are better than you think. Their wealth management is really good. Trading is very good. It's their market. 
It's Goldman's market. Uh, and Don't you, worry about net interest income nearly as much as everybody else. Yeah, well, as you point out, I mean, across the board, whether it's wealth management or banking or any their other areas, uh, they they outperformed. ROE, I guess, at 11.1% for 2020 overall, but fourth quarter, 21.1% return on equity. <laughs> I mean, look, Bank of America, we know, is having an unbelievable January. I got some work on that, you know, 7% growth, and that should propel the stock more than it is. But when I look, you know, David, Goldman moved up into what? this print. I mean, Goldman moved up a lot. Right, but I'm saying that you, look, anything can happen in this market. But I do think that this is even better, but not necessarily because of what we think. It's better because, listen, we're sticky, we're good, we're not bragging, we're back, we're bigger than ever. We're bigger than ever. I'm, sw- I'm turning over to Coral. Okay. Let's, let's watch the opening bell, guys. Uh, and the S&P heat map at the bottom of your screen. Uh, 37.68 is where we'll kick things off. Uh, it'll be a busy week for earnings overall, guys. Um, we'll get some of the regional banks. Uh, there's a nice mix of transports in there. Netflix, Jim, how would you characterize expectations going into tonight? Uh, it ceased to be, I would say, the favorite Fang name, although they're now aiming to unveil 70 uh, new movies this year. It's more than a movie a week. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched um, uh, Miami, the Miami Night Miami piece, which was the one thing I thought was really shocking was it was made in 2020. Uh, terrific, by the way. I thought it was, I learned a great deal. But Netflix, I think, is just going to be sticky. But, Carl, we, when we speak about Netflix, I think we have to speak about Roku. And there's a sense that somehow, while Netflix is good, Disney is good, Roku is unassailable, and it's just beginning to start advertising. The run in Roku, Carl, is really one of the great runs of all time. Now, it's not a Tesla run, but this is a run which just says this one's scratching the surface. And so, therefore, it's got the, I'd say, the most momentum, if you want to call it that. Like the uh, little, um, the people, the video I saw, which is like, hey, it's going up, so let's buy it. It'll go up more. Uh, It's very hard to argue that. Is that what's happening? I mean, it went up. David, what are you looking at? I'm looking at the uh, J.P. Morgan uh, overweight on Roku, which I'm sure Carl's looking at well, also. Yes. Good. Because I so was trying to you, get yes. in the... Want to yeah. chime in on that? Well, I'll let Carl chime in on it because you were going to him, and I know no. he, he keeps track of all this. And then I'll come back on sort of streaming overall, right. Carl. Don't forget, Amazon is the one that yeah, made that I night mean, in Miami. Great minds, uh, obviously, David. They go to 475. That's a new high. Uh, our bull thesis largely driven by... Uh, the advertising opportunity, as Jim says, which only an estimated 8-9% of TV ad budgets is not keeping pace with the shift in eyeballs. David, I know you probably also saw the downgrades of uh, Viacom and Discovery uh, to sell this morning as well. I did. I did. Uh, and uh, Viacom announcing it will launch Paramount Plus, its streaming service, uh, rebranded. Remember, you've got CBS All Access already, but uh, rebranded on the 4th of March. Uh, but I did note that note that you say, listen, we, I, on Friday I talked about how Discovery and Viacom have both been up so dramatically yeah, since you the that. beginning of the year. I mean, each roughly 20-some-odd percent. And hard to really pin it on one thing. Obviously, Discovery did introduce their streaming service. It is now out there, uh, um, Discovery Plus. Uh, but that note you referenced, I mean, I picked up one line from this downgraded Barclays, Carl. Uh, in some ways, a streaming service like Discovery Plus or even C- even CBS All Access are effectively a glorified catch-up DVR service with a few originals slapped on top, um, which goes to at least some concerns that are out there that say, Jim, you know, Netflix and Disney, winners. Right. Now, Amazon, I don't even, because it's not a content company no, overall. Not. That's not its business. Netflix, Disney, the winners, everybody else going to be fighting 
for the scraps. I think that's right. I think, well, other than Roku, which is not really right. you know, and which, streaming which Malone service. in our interview of, you know, uh, when was that? November yeah. talked about as he felt really well positioned as a platform for for the distribution of these streaming. Services oh, absolutely. And absolutely. benefiting from it. Now, Carl, uh, sometimes people don't read these conference calls. What do you think was the most scatological, exciting and yet a dramatic conference call that we've had so far? Scatological. Scatological. <laughs> it's J.P. Morgan. Jamie Dimon, once again, dropping the S-bomb this time. Not the F-bomb, but the S-bomb. And I was shocked. And it was in reference, Carl, to the fact that he is scared because of Visa, MasterCard, (laughs) PayPal, and their stock market valuations. It was one of those moments which is like, there's more Butch and Sundance, which is like, who are those guys? And a lot of the analysts are saying, when are you? It's like GM and Ford. It's like, you know, guys, did you not see this coming? And and Jamie, um, who's very, very entertaining, I find, and uh, just kind of just said, yeah, I mean, we get it. We are, you know, listen, we got to be on the run here. So I thought that was the only thing that was really exciting so far in earnings season. David, you you listened (laughs) to where they bleeped that out, whatever, on the transcript. And he went after Plaid also. Yeah. Uh, which Carl knows. And then we had the CEO come on who wouldn't really take, who wouldn't go after Jamie. I, that's probably yeah. smart. Right. Uh, but sort of questioning some of their practices when it comes to data, Carl. But we, 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 we can't lose sight of these companies. And Jim certainly makes sure of that because their market caps are so dramatically uh, higher than they were even a year ago. Oh. PayPal uh, and on and on. Visa, obviously the largest. Where is Visa right now as a market cap? I mean, it's, it's like $475 billion. Yeah, Jamie was particularly, I think, rankled by Jamie. He was like, yeah. L, you know, it's all right. you know, he's like, Cheryl was particularly. Uh, but, I, you know, Carl, there is a, an otherworldly notion that Jamie, Jamie Dimon puts up an unbelievable quarter. And what is, what is he forced to talk about? FinTech. And why isn't he doing as well mm-hmm. as FinTech? The uh, younger investors, what do they like? They like FinTech. They like EV. They don't like J.P. Morgan. They don't like it's too boring for them. In the same way that people have been telling me, Jim, this Apple, it hasn't moved in weeks. I'm, what do they expect? What have they done for me lately? Right? I mean, these are people who hate the Cleveland Browns. It's a bunch of losers. No. <laughs> but I, I think that when you're uh, talking about uh, brokerage, you're talking about the merry men. You're talking about the young people who are taking that, that money, the stimulus money. And, David, they're not buying Bristol Myers. They're not. No. They're not. No, no. They're buying CCIV and well, QS. Don't want to pin yourself on those. Yeah. Hey, uh, Carl, we got a couple of things I want to hit in deal land. One, a deal that's not happening, and another that did this morning involving lasers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, first, MGM and Tane. Remember, we talked about this last week. They, uh, MGM, it's sports betting. We've talked a lot about the growth here in this country and overseas, of course, and UK-based. You can see what's happening because MGM says, uh, and I can give you a little bit of background here as well, uh, but they basically walk away. Remember, in the UK, you've got to tell everybody everything. There's no negotiation or not a lot that happens outside the light of day of a press release. So... Um, They say, after careful consideration, having reflected on the limited recent engagement uh, regarding MGM's MGM's all-stock, rejected all-stock proposal at an exchange rate of 0.6, it does not intend to submit a revised proposal and will not make a firm offer for Entain. Why? Well, the price expectations. Remember, they started at 11. They went up to 13.75. That was what the 0.6 roughly equated to. Uh, What I hear out of their camp is, you know, they're disciplined buyers. 
Uh, and these guys simply had uh, price expectations that were far higher, far higher than been, had been perhaps anticipated. Doesn't mean that this deal won't get done one day down the road, remember, because they do have a joint, joint venture which acts more or less as a poison pill for MGM. In other words, no other bidder can come in there. It's going to either be MGM or nothing, given their joint venture. However, it's not going to happen today. Interestingly, guys, uh, Barry Diller very much involved in leading the charge here for MGM. Remember, IAC, its largest single shareholder now, uh, and they were going to, Diller was going to step up and buy stock, conceivably, uh, under any new deal with new money. But that's not going to happen. But he's all in on sports betting. Well, we'll get to hear him tomorrow when he's on Squall. Yeah. That's yeah. terrific. They'll be able to I, ask him more. I think sports betting is gigantic, Carl, but uh, you get things like New York, they want to do it on their own. Uh, you, you get things uh, like SPACs that uh, suddenly they're, or, or uh, FUBO, I mean FUBO. And, and what you say to yourself, wait a second, if everybody gets in, then it's, there's someone's going to cut margins. But if you entrench and get, like DraftKings, which I do some work for, they had a deal this weekend, if, Mahone, you know, if you're new and Mahone has a touchdown, you make 100 bucks. Mahomes had a touchdown. Uh, Mahomes had a touchdown. Yeah, that's a good deal. It does. Uh, it does remind you of uh, today's call out of Berenberg, Jim. They take DraftKings to sell. They initiate sell, sell. Uh, at forty-one. Yeah. Um, I mean, their their broader point is, you know, the picture is bright, but some of the share expectations are are getting overdone. At least that's their view. Well, look, I totally understand that. Uh, but you then you take a look at Penn National Gaming which has been an amazing performer, doesn't have any China, obviously, up another 18%. Penn National Gaming, of course, is, uh, is Barstool and also just a great national footprint. So I don't know. I mean, if you think Barstool and Penn Nat are doing well, then I don't think you give up on DraftKings here. And I recognize that sell. I saw the sell, but I think it's, a, it's one of those companies that is at the forefront of what I think will be multi-billion dollars. You watch football this weekend, and what do you do? You start hearing people from the mainstream talk about the line. Now, they tend not to know anything about the line for the most part, but it's very, very important because that's what people bet on. You know, David, when they say, well, you know, they joke about the line as if the gamblers out there are, are, aren't the core audience now that right. the, the numbers keep going down. Yeah. They, they don't know about the line. No. How could you not know about the line? If you're, same way they don't really know about EV or about battery technology. They, they're very bad on EV. Yeah. It's really How are they on lasers? Because uh, Lumentum Holdings this morning, guys, buying coherent. Coherent. Uh, They're coherent. 100 bucks a share in cash and 1.1851 shares. About a five and a half, $5.6 billion deal. You can see coherent shares rising dramatically. But Lou, uh, light is uh, getting hit here. Uh, Lumentum uh, getting hit. Um, right now, Lumentum derives about 60% of its revenue from com- uh, the communications end market and about 33% from the consumer smartphone market. Coherent, 44% of revenue derived from microelectronics, exposure to flat panel display manufacturing. You get them together, and as you might imagine, they say uh, we're going to be able to address a lot more markets in an, a lot more effective way. $115 million bucks is what they're citing, at least as potential synergies. You see that premium there, at least to the closing price of the stock very recently uh, on the 15th. Um, Jim, who knew? Lasers. 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 Oh, not since, not since James Bond. Uh, in Goldfinger, have we seen a laser Laz- used yes, well, in any sort of way that we're powers, excited yeah, about? Yeah, we always think about that one but, as well. But lasers have been, uh, uh, maybe their time has come, Carl. We see a lot of uh, manufacturing, which is being done. Uh, obviously, when you go to, to a Tesla plant, there's not that many people there. You a lot go of to 3D a, sensing applications, yes, things like that. And Jim. have you seen the burst in 3D? Yeah. 
Uh, DDD did have a great quarter. There is no doubt about it. It was a good quarter. Now people are trying to catch up with Stratasys. Uh, DDD, the famous 3D systems, here it goes again. Uh, but then again, you know, this, the short position, Carl, is 28%. So you don't know whether people are buying it here because they want to uh, they like the 3D space or because they want to bust the shorts, which has become a very common mm-hmm. strategy for many younger people who think that these uh, shorts have to be destroyed as if they are bugs on a windshield. Uh, there's, that's been the view of a few people over the last few years, that's for sure. Uh, so, guys, uh, session high, uh, about 272 off of that. Just a touch. Let's get to Bob Pisani this morning. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Happy Tuesday, everybody. So this is it. This is Yellen's go big rally. That's essentially what's going on here. I think the market's concern is there's a big difference between a one point trillion dollar stimulus, which is what they're looking for, and a one trillion dollar stimulus, which is what some people are saying they're going to have to compromise at. That's a pretty large difference here. If there's anything the Federal Reserve has learned since the 2008 financial crisis is go big rather than go small. I think many people wanted to do even more in 2008 after they saw the results and if anything, wanted to be more aggressive. And so you're going to see Yellen really swing for the fences here. That's what the markets are anticipating. You see the moves here. Interesting to watch semiconductors generally outperform technology throughout uh, the last several weeks. The retailers have just been doing great. The XRT, that's that retail index, it's near an historic high. It's done very well, equal weighted. Energy, uh, oil's back towards 53. The pipeline news not hurting anybody there. Industrials have been modest outperformers, but not great on the year. Uh, Consumer staples and other uh, defensive have been lagging all throughout 2021, lagging again uh, today. Four to one advancing the declining stocks, though. Nice start. We're right near a new high. What do we need? What does the market need to keep going? Well, obviously, a larger stimulus package. Uh, that's the main issue. But uh, the bigger vaccine rollout, there's a lot of concerns about that variants that are out there, particularly in South America. Got a lot of notes about that over the weekend. But I think the two big things in the last week, a manageable rise in rates, a lot of talk about we got to avoid the taper tantrum in 2013, all the stuff that happened back then, got to avoid that manageable rise in rates. And then, of course, higher earnings. There's a lot of people who are very, very hopeful about the, the, the Q4 and the Q1 and Q2 guidance. So far, the numbers are good. It's really too early. But here's the story. 2019 was great, historic high. 2020, we dropped 25% in the earnings numbers. And they're expecting it all to come back at another historic high in 2021 at $167. But those numbers, that's 22 and a half times forward earnings right now. We've got to get uh, those numbers up. And a lot of people are saying they're going to come up. Goldman Sachs thinks they're too low. Uh, Jonathan Golub over at Credit Suisse is saying he thinks the numbers are too low. Well, maybe. Q3, they were right. Q4, we'll see. They've got to get better guidance, though. So this quarter is not really about this earnings season. It's not about the fourth quarter. It's about companies being more confident about the first and the second quarters. Meantime, isn't it nice to see some of these old school market stocks that we gave up on kind of come back? Look at General Motors today. You heard Phil talking about what was going on there with the cruise announcement with Microsoft. They had several upgrades recently, and Exxon has been doing much better here. They had two upgrades last week. I don't know if the dividend is safe. J.P. Morgan says it is, but people are starting to act like that. And all these retailers like Best Buy and, uh, and Tapestry, the old coach, that's a two-year high. For them. Nice to see the old school doing a little bit better. Meantime, it's really on the broader markets. It's very clear what's going on here. We've got energy stocks leading, any kind of energy stocks leading, clean energy, fossil fuels leading, uh, and commodities. That's the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index and small caps. Those are the things moving the market. There's your stimulus play right there. The laggards are, well, gold, long-term bonds, 
defensive names like consumer technology, uh, consumer staples, and tech is leading a little because Fang's been weak overall. David, the fund manager survey, uh, it's very clear what they're concerned about. They're worried about a steeper yield curve and higher inflation as an issue out there, but the two big issues there, peak growth on vaccine and peak liquidity on stimulus. I think they're a little early to be worried about that, but obviously those are second half worries. David, back to you. Yeah, remember a year where we haven't had inflation and higher yields as a potential concern, Bob. Thank you, Bob Bassani. Still to come right here, Sir Richard Branson is going to join us on Virgin Orbit's successful satellite launch and his company's plans to transition into commercial service. But first, time for the bond report. Let's give you a look at how treasuries are faring this morning. Speaking of yields, as we just were with Bob as well, they are rising across the board. You see it, of course, ahead of Janet Yellen's confirmation hearing. That will begin at the top of the hour. We will be covering it live. Over in Europe, data showing investor confidence rising in Germany and the Eurozone overall. Italian yields falling after Prime Minister Conte won a confidence vote in the lower house. The ball is now in the Senate's court over in Italy. Let's finish with a look at the dollar. Weaker. We'll be right back. The issue of getting 100 million doses in the first 100 days is, is, is absolutely a doable thing. What, what, the, what the president-elect is going to do is where it need be to invoke the DPA to get the kinds of things we need, whatever they may be, be they tests, be they vaccines, or what have you. In other words, to just not be hesitant to use whatever mechanisms we can to get everything on track and in the flow that he predict. But the feasibility of his goal is, is absolutely clear. There's no doubt about that, that that can be done. That's Fauci on Meet the Press uh, yesterday. Kind of dovetails, Jim, with what J.P. Morgan said this morning, and that is going forward, uh, the biggest macro risk appears to be vaccine supply, distribution, and uptake. Yeah, totally. Uh, look, I, I would love to have the scenario that Dr. Fauci laid out, and I don't think it can possibly be as badly as what was laid out earlier a couple of months ago. I think the issue is there can be 100 million vaccine doses, but they may still not get to where they have to go uh, unless you have J&J. I think J&J is the secret to the 100 million because J&J doesn't need the incredible refrigeration problems and it can be kept uh, at room temperature. So I don't know. Without J&J, that's just not possible. It's just not. And I think it's a uh, unfortunate yeah. to raise expectations like that, given what many people have been scrambling to get. Uh, Gottlieb over the weekend, meantime, uh, tweeted that we might see, Jim, you know, three to four weeks of declining caseloads. And then if this new variant doubles in prevalence, which is uh, widely expected, uh, you could be looking at heightened infection rates even going into the spring. I did notice that the White House uh, Council of Economic Advisors says that every day the vaccine is pulled forward, meaning uh, it's ramped up, it's accelerated, it's worth $10 billion to society. Well, that's a high one. Look, this is, you know, Britain has handled this so badly, we think, but they've got uh, national health care, and the percentage that they've rolled out is quite dramatic, David, versus the United States. Yeah. See, they have a federal program kind of that's run by the government, the big government, national health care. Right. What do we have? Can you get it at CVS? Can you get it at Walgreens? Can you get it at your local pharmacy? Can you get it uh, at Staten Island? Yes. I got one of 50 appointments. I 
know you did. And it's because of my age. I did not pull rank. Not that anybody could care. The people have no idea. It's like, hey, how you doing? Fine. Now you're old. You don't watch Mad Money? Yeah, you're Mad on? Huh? Mm-hmm. What? I did not play the Mad Money card. <laughs> I said, hey, crazy money. Uh, Stupid well, money. We are happy for you, Jim. Thank you. Looking I'm halfway to dose there. Number two. I'm halfway there. Yeah. Dow's up 112. Don't go away. Starting in just a few moments, uh, Treasury Secretary nominee Janet Yellen in front of Senate Finance on COVID relief, uh, the dollar, the debt, the K-shaped recovery, and why she thinks it's time to go big. It starts at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You very, very rarely get United Health not going up right into the quarter. I think United Health is going to have a good number tomorrow. And I think it's going to start off the uh, health care part of the earnings season, which can be very positive. All right, Jim. I look forward to hearing more about that. Uh, how about tonight? Logitech, it's down now, just like Goldman Sachs. Much better than expected quarter. We've got to go into that because this is the, one of the best and hottest areas in e-commerce and gaming. We're going to know more about it. I can't wait. Jim, the one thing I, I wanted to get your temperature on before we uh, close out the hour was um, Gensler and Chopra uh, to SEC and the Consumer Financial Protection Board. Some of the headlines this morning were uh, outlook darkens for Wall Street. <laughs> Gensler could be the most aggressive regulator in two decades. Oh, please. Is Gensler's very smart. He'll figure out what's the right thing for the consumer. That's his background. I think we're in good shape for people who own stocks. Do not fear Gensler. He's too sophisticated. Uh, so, so really, no, no, no sector risk, at least no, for financials no. as well. No, Gensler's, Gensler's very good. He wants what's good for the consumer. Maybe not Wall Street, but sometimes they do dovetail. All right. Uh, Jim, we will see you tonight. Thank you. How about, uh, and David, we never covered uh, Cohen's tweet about the Mets. Which, which one? <laughs> you mean firing um, about, the general about manager? About Porter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It's unfortunate, Carl. Uh, but Steve doesn't listen. He knows how to run his business. He's not going to take any. No, that's it. I agree. Brought the guy in. Get rid of the guy. Uh, not great for the Mets, although we are still very excited about our recent trade for Lindor. So, I, you know, I'm still feeling good. And Steve Cohen is in control of that franchise. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and, and the communication uh, windows opened up for sure on Twitter, at least. Yes. Uh, Jim, we'll see you tonight. Okay, I'm thank you very much. 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.